Hello and welcome back to Did You See? It is a podcast where each week two friends, myself, Dan, one of those friends, and himself, Max, hopeful 2020 survivor. <laughs> yeah, we're almost there. Get together and ask and answer each other the question that friends have been asking and answering since the dawn of stuff to talk about. Hey, did you see? And this week we are going to talk about everything that we saw, heard, experienced, witnessed, played, dealt with in 2020 that was pop media. Because we're not going to talk about our personal strife and struggles. Oh, damn it. Why am I here that? There's enough podcasts for that. Right. (laughs) I'm sure sure everyone around you has said, oh, what a tough year this was. At least Mm -hmm. once. So we will will, uh, table that for now. And we will instead talk about films, albums, television shows, video games, probably comic books, probably not board games this year. And I have some factoids, too. Oh, Max has facts. Yeah. Facts with Max. There you go. Uh, so how do you want to start us in? You want to start with your factoids? Do you want to start talking about films or movies or music? Or, well, films are movies, but films, music, television, something like that? Um, I'll do the factoids because I feel like then the anticipation will build for what we liked. Build. Or like. Um, couple things um, that I was surprised to see going back through the episodes. Uh, one of them, how many times you talked about Taika Waititi doing Star Wars? <laughs> More than once. Uh, four times, actually. Really? Yes. Wow. I'm excited <laughs> about that. You are. I was like, holy shit, is this real? He talked about it this early in the year? Things that I love, Taika Waititi and Star Wars. Um, one other thing that was fun to talk about this year was the final nail in the coffin that was Movie Pass. <laughs> Rest in peace, our number one enemy. Uh, Wait, no, thing... pieces. Rest in pieces. Seriously. Another thing similar, the birth and death of Quibi this year. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> it came out and died kind of in mid-launch. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked a lot about porn this year for various reasons. Huh. Yeah, no, I guess that's yeah. accurate. That's it, yeah. We talked about porn a lot, which surprised me, because normally I don't think we've really talked about porn outside of, like, a one-off story each year, but we talked about porn between the two of us three times this year. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh Uh-huh. Especially for as blue as this podcast usually is. Yes. Like, with the amount of profanity, you'd think we talk about fucking a little bit more, but we just don't. No, we're gentlemen. We're, we're like, unseemly gentlemen, though. Yeah, we are. We're we're profane gentlemen. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Um... It was interesting going through the podcast to see the texture of stories and how they worked. Um, specifically in regard to like movies and how they've been delayed. They're going to get pushed to this. Some of them, and now we see them are coming out relatively, you know what I mean, like close to their initial pushback dates, but just on different platforms, not necessarily just in theaters. Mm-hmm. So all that kind of unfolded this year, which was a really strange year. It feels like a year of kind of like recapping stuff and then following up on it to tell you what has changed. Yeah, that's a, I would I would say that's accurate, yeah. So it was a uh, it was a weird year, but those were some things of note that I thought was pretty interesting and we also lost a true a true hero, a truth seeker, David Hughes, who attempted to prove that the earth was flat only to be killed by the Globus conspiracy. Yeah, that's what killed him, certainly I'm, not I'm... gravity or shoddy homemade engineering. No, I'm certain that's not it. I'm just paraphrasing, though. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get in. Uh, I'm going to give you two categories, uh, and you can choose which one we start with. you want to start with movies or music? 
music. Oh, fantastic. All right. Uh, so lead us into music and then I'll follow up because I've got opinions. Okay. Um, I'll start with the one you brought to the podcast, which is The Weekend After Hours. Yeah, that album's good. The album is very good. And Blinding Lights what did really, really well in particular off that album. Um, What else here? Uh, for me personally, Poppy, I disagree. Saw that on a couple of lists. Um, I honestly don't know if I've listened to that. It's good. The, the titular song, I disagree, it may be my favorite Poppy song, bar none. Whoa, we we uh well known on this podcast for liking Poppy. Yes. Um Taylor Swift folklore. Hell yeah, that's on my list too. Um and because she worked with them on folklore, no surprise should be on my album, Hiam Women in Music Part 3. Well, yeah. But that's my uh, that's my list of albums. I didn't listen to a lot of music. I think like everybody this year I retreated into things that I really really like to <laughs> to keep me sane. It's really so, funny, so did I. And uh, when we talk about movies, I have an interesting factoid of my own that shows how much I retreated into things that I enjoy. Yeah, so I want to listen to Now looking over, listen, like, you know what I mean? You gave me a suggestion of where to go check one out. Mm -hmm. um, I want to listen to some more stuff because I always feel like this time of year is when I start catching up on things. And I usually spend the first two months of the new year catching up on stuff I so, missed from the previous year. In 2014 and 2015, December was when I started discovering music from that year. And then it was in 2016 that I really started putting my mind to, okay, what's coming out currently? Because when you, and I'm sure you experience this too, when you like as broad a swath of music as I do, it's fucking hard to keep up with everything everyone's releasing. Yes. I Every year I find myself at the end of the year going, fuck, really? I missed that. Mm -hmm. uh, haven't done that yet this year, so I'm pretty happy about that. But um so I have thoughts. Uh, all three of the al albums that you listed, other than Poppy, which I'm sure is good, but the other ones you listed, uh, definitely solid listens to. Um, specifically, I will touch on Folklore. Um, the album came out just a couple weeks before my son was born and was probably the last uh, the last new album I caught uh, until like October. And boy, there are a couple of tracks in that album that are absolutely slapping. But the one I really want to talk about is The Last Great American Dynasty. Which, mm. if you look at the lyrics, that is a Tom Waits song written by Taylor Swift. And that is, I think, why I love it so much. Like, that that song really, uh, really stuck in my head. I think I've listened to it more than any other individual song this year. It's really interesting how raw she is on this particular album. Like, something that came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I heard people talking about, like, I mean, like, I like Taylor Swift. Don't get me wrong. I'll listen to a Taylor Swift because they're, you know, they're just good. She's good pop music. And I was yeah. like, People are talking about this like it's a legitimately good album. Yeah, and, and, and then I listened to it, and I was like, holy fucking crap, what is? what am I listening to? This is wonderful. This, like the later Lady Gaga albums, is what happens when you take someone who was uh, instrumental in her own early work, but largely produced by the industry, capital T, capital I, mm -hmm. uh, and let her make her own thing. Right. And this, that's, I think, what this is. Um, other albums, two albums I really want to touch on, both hip-hop albums, uh, RTJ4 by Run the Jewels, um, released a week early in the wake of the protests of the uh, murder of George Floyd, and mm -hmm. has such amazing energy to it. It is an angry album. It is an album obviously written by at least one person who is fed the fuck up, but also scared, and just wants to yell. And my god, this album has fucking energy to it. 
I put this album on during the one uh, Black Lives Matter protest in which I marched and listened to it during the march in my headphones while we were walking. And I just felt like like I would have punched somebody. And you know me, I'm not a fighter. But like right. it, it just put that energy into me. Plus, it's a real good hip hop album. Yeah, a lot of their they're all this being their fourth, obviously number four is all of them are good and you always recommend the new one when they come out this one you're just like you gotta listen to the new run the jewels i was not prepared for how angry and how raw this album is yeah i mean this is this is killer mike releasing i think a steam valve not just an album <laughs> you know this is it's this is lot. releasing a steam valve and it's it's huge um in a similar vein actually uh visions of bodies being burned by clipping um mm. you know we've spoken about uh clipping a couple of times and their last two albums, There Existed an Addiction to Blood and Visions of Bodies Being Burned, are, I will admit, the only horrorcore albums to which I have ever listened and actually liked. That's fair, <laughs> because so much of it is so bad. Like, I get why people like Prozac, but this is, for my money, this is good horrorcore. And, um, you know, Visions of Bodies Being Burned is is the direct sequel to their existed an addiction to blood it was supposed to come out earlier this year but because of the pandemic they pushed it to october to be a year out from the previous release and right. listen to them back to back which i did a couple weeks ago and they are an astounding just like it, it's some heavy shit like there is some hardcore like noise happening in this shit too so yeah. It's it's a it's a lot, but if you like your industrial hip hop and your horrorcore, it's definitely there. Um, and then for a uh, quick, abrupt left turn, Gaslighter from the Chicks was another big one for me this year. Uh, mm -hmm. Mostly the title track, but um, Adrian Pazdar, Wait. how badly did you wrong Natalie Maines? Because <laughs> boy oh boy, that was an album and that was a song. And then the yeah. last album I want to talk about, which is one I'm actually surprised you didn't talk about, is uh, Mouth Dreams from perennial podcast favorite Neil Cicerega. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it. not as good as the other three, but it's still fucking good. I think, yeah, I think it punches in the weight class with... Because uh, I think Silence is probably my lowest on the totem pole previous to this one. And I think there, there's, there's an intermingle. I could pull an album out of this that would be, to me, on point. Mm -hmm. with some of the better stuff but i agree but it's still freaking what he's putting out on his own just doing his thing is better than so much else that's yep. coming out he's a genius and he's also been a foundational part of my internet life since like literally 2000 so i can't not love what he does like going no. all the way back to the animutations into potter puppet pals into the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny into the lemon demon stuff and now into the mouth uh series it's all amazing. Agreed. It's never not good. So uh, so then my opinions. Uh, I think that both Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters and Phoebe Bridger's Punisher uh, would not be number one and number two on the aggregate album of the year if they had not been released during the quarantine year. Mm. I feel like both of those albums are a lot more involved, deeper, and complicated than normally get this high on a lot of these releases. And I think a lot of people had a lot of time to listen to them. Plus, in the case of Fiona Apple, it was a well-anticipated album. This is not to say that neither of them or either of them are not good albums. But I think that they have... A lot of people have had a lot of time to listen to them that they might not normally have had. And I think they are getting... Neither overblown nor underblown. Just blown, perhaps? In a way they would not in a quote-unquote normal year. 
it's funny um, you bring this up, and I had recently discussed this with some people who are a generation, a couple generations uh, sooner than I am. And I found these, these articles recently about people who are discovering what they're calling air quotes deep listening, mm-hmm. which is simply putting an album on. <laughs> listening to an album from start to finish? Listening to it the whole way and not looking at your phone, not watching a movie, just laying there or sitting there and just unplugging from everything but the music. And experiencing the album as the artist intended. Yeah, that's what I call listening. Yeah, well, look, I got really bad ADHD, and I can tell you it is sometimes difficult to do, um, but I can also tell you that Phoebe Bridger's album did that to me. Uh, it is very good. It deserves to be where it is. Uh, it doesn't make my personal list because it's not sort of in my particular wheelhouse, but I fully understand why it is the number two aggregate album on albumofyear.org. No, I think that's that's awesome, and I'm it's I fetched the bolt car. I mean, I like Fiona Apple a lot, and I haven't checked this one out yet, and the name is fucking killer. Yes. So, I mean, for two two big reasons there. And obviously, you know what I mean, like you said, the the high rating and your enjoyment of it. So, all good reasons to check it out. And I will also, I believe I may have mentioned this last year, but if I didn't, I will um, recommend once again uh, a man who does not really put out albums uh, or traditional releases, uh, Tobe Nwigwe, who is a rapper out of Houston. Um, his song, Try Jesus... Uh, might be one of my favorite uh, sort of lo-fi hip-hop songs of the... Not lo-fi, but sort of slower hip-hop songs of the year, simply because of the re- the refrain, Try Jesus, but don't try me, because I throw hands. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah, the fact that he also, he and his wife and one friend, basically produce everything themselves, shoot all their music videos, do the whole thing top to bottom, is fantastic. That is awesome. Uh, so if you haven't and you like hip-hop, check him out. So that's music. Uh, shall we move into movies? Sure. Allow me to explain to you, Max, that in this year of our Lord 2020, I saw exactly one film that was released this year. Good for you. <laughs> I watched Birds of Prey when it hit HBO. What did you think about it? Uh, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot, um, mostly because I thought that her actually getting to do a Harley Quinn that felt like a Harley Quinn I wanted to see on the screen was a great redemptive arc. Um, everybody else, all the other birds of prey were fine. How you know, none of them. Ewan McGregor was great. Uh, however, the most upset I've been during a film in a very long time happened during a, a scene involving him. Huh? Yes, uh, it's the most like physically revulsed I've been in a film in a very long time. Wow. Yeah, and it happened during a DC movie. Um, Interesting. I guess I also do have to admit I did watch Hamilton, but uh, though it came out this year, um, it is five years old. So yes. there's yeah, an argument there that it didn't come out this year. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, but the mood, like this film version did, and they, they did some things to kind of set it apart and make it interesting, which is really cool. Oh yeah, and the cinematography was astounding. Yeah. I want every Broadway production that gets filmed to be filmed over, like, six different performances with, yeah. you know, some with a live audience, some with flying cameras, some with stationary cameras, and I want a professional editor to work on it. Yeah, it's awesome thing they did there. So, I, I, I mean, I think, I think it's fair to say that it's enough of its own beast that it counts. <laughs> so, in that case, I saw two films that came out this year, and the rest of every film that I watched, which was not many, was something that I was comfortable from my past. 
Yep, that's fair. Including the day that Natalie and I watched all three of the Indiana Jones movies. That's right, I said three. (laughs) For good reason. (laughs) I have uh, have props and slops for movies from Ah, 2012. All right. Well, you also do a movie podcast, so you kind of, in addition to just being you, have a lot more reason to watch film than I do. Yeah, and there hasn't been a, I, there's a lot I've missed this year. Definitely looking over stuff. It's like, oh man, I made myself a little mini list of things I want to check out. Um, but things I've watched that I can recommend to you people out there. So my props for this one: uh, Superman Red Sun, which is really good. It's a good DC animated movie. And if you haven't seen this particular version of Superman, you're missing out on the best Superman. VFW huh. um, was as much fun as I wanted it to be. It is not going to be a movie for everybody, but if you're into uh, exploitation-y feeling grindhouse, like late grindhouse, early like 80s sleaze kind of films. I don't know why I haven't funny. watched this film yet. You dig it. It's so up your alley. Um, a ton of fun. Um, two more recent ones that came out. Scare Me, which was a Shudder release. Uh, Dan, this is another one that you would really enjoy. It's just two people, it's two writers who are on, happen to be on a retreat in the same kind of like, uh, like general, I don't want to say campground, but like, you know, where there's some cabins and things that you can rent out for like winters. Okay. They both happen to be in the same place. They meet up early while they're exercising and they chit chat for a minute. One's a well-established horror writer. The other's like a guy who's just taking his first bite at the apple and they end up hanging out with each other and the power goes out so they just decide to start telling each other scary stories oh wow and it's really like it's not like uh like a horror anthology it's not cut to a story cut to a story it's them telling the stories and you watch them act the stories out and shit that's cool which was like i didn't expect that when i heard about it i was like oh it's a horror anthology and it wasn't at all it was really interesting and different so it's just something unique especially for like the horror comedy space it's a lot of fun that's awesome. I'll have to check that out. And similarly, uh, horror comedy, I watched this with Sam, and her roommate not too long ago was Love and Monsters, hmm. which I was definitely not enjoying for the first half an hour or so, but by the end of the movie, I was fully into it. Huh. Cool. And it's got Michael Rooker. We do love Michael Rooker around these parts. Oh, he's great. He has hair in this one, which is weird. That is weird. <laughs> but uh, my Also slot... because I've been trying to remember... Uh, I did watch Scott Pilgrim three times this year. Oh my god, so good! <laughs> that maybe that maybe it's in a list of like three movies for me that I constantly go back and forth on and go. This may be the best adapted movie from a comic book for the reasons of it feels like a film of a comic book. Yeah, it's so good. So anyway, your slops. Slops for this year go to The Babysitter Two: Killer Queen. Oh, this movie god. was butthole central. Um, if you want to hear me go on about this at length, check out Tapes and Scowls in the upcoming months because it's on my list, and don't waste your time. The first one's really good. This one is just so not good. They took all the things that kind of were not so great about the first one and were like, let's just turn those up to 11 because I'm Mick G on this second. Oh, well, there's your problem. It's Mick G. You know, he surprised me with the first one. I thought the, the second one was going to be a treat and outside of the soundtrack, which is fantastic the rest of the movie is terrible but salad with extra butt and this one dan i apologize to you for in advance but another big slop for me wonder woman 1984 i watched first half hour over the other day and i stopped it's awful it's awful 
I could not. I was so fucking upset at how bad this movie was. I mean, in the first 30 minutes, the pacing is terrible and everyone is overacting, including people who do not normally overact. And I can tell you, the with concern especially the pacing, it gets worse. What I've it heard. It gets worse. And it's a shame because they're trying to tell a really interesting story. But they're, yeah. Um, yeah, I literally oh watched God. 30 minutes of it. Uh, texted my sister about how Kristen Wiig must just be the most awkward person in existence because she plays it so well. And then I turned it off. It's so, You were so, so much smarter than I am. I literally turned it off in the middle of the scene between her and Pedro Pascal. Who I fucking love. We'll get to in a few minutes. It's hoof, hoof. It's so bad. I'm so sad. Oh, makes me want to die. But those I are mean, my movie swaps. It's the um, you know, it's the um, it's the Twilight problem. They made one movie on a smaller budget with a creative team that was smaller and didn't really do bigger things. And they made a blockbuster that ended up working, and then they tried to make a second one, and it didn't work as well. Because they tried to inject too much big blockbuster styling into it. Um, Agreed. Also, apparently, there's a scene where Wonder Woman saves some children playing soccer from a, a bombing. Um, which is apparently a serious problem, because there was a Israeli bombing of a Palestinian thing that killed four children playing soccer. And Gal Gadot has come out as having been in support of it. Interesting. But I'm not going to get into geopolitics in this podcast. I did one where I yelled about Gal Gadot a lot once. So. You did. You did. That was with Cleopatra. That also happened this year. Uh, so I think that's, I think that's really films. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's move into TV because I really only have one thing to talk about, and it's something I'm really excited about. I finally started watching The Mandalorian. You not only finally started, if I'm not mistaken, you were caught up on The Mandalorian. Yes, I am caught up, and it was fucking great. There I, is uh, not a bad episode in that show. I think the first season was like pretty good for me. Like again, if you're not into the podcast, hi. And I am not the biggest Star Wars. Like I'm not a Star Wars super fan. Not you're not a Star Wars fan the way I am. Correct. And I thought the first season was pretty good. Like I, I enjoyed it. The second season, man, did they crank everything up? Like it just got so much better in the second season. Yep. I have some problems with Ahsoka Tano, but everything else is fantastic. It's. Man, the filming in that episode, though, is... Whew. Oh, yeah. It's just astounding. Whew. Just just astounding. Well, you know who... Uh, um, Dave Filoni actually directed that episode. Directed that episode, yep. Yeah, so that uh, that has probably a fair bit to do with it. Yeah, great director. I mean, they've been pulling great directors, I mean, which is no surprise, right? Disney with Infinite Checkbook and the creative team on this, along with John Favreau just have been pulling all kinds of great folks into direct this from like Bryce Dallas Howard to Robert Rodriguez and everybody in between. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty astonishing. And yeah. I'm trying to remember if that was the episode or if it was the one after it that uh was the cinematographer was uh Dave Klein, the uh DP from Clerks. Mm. Yeah. He did he did an episode of this of this season. Wow. Yeah. Come from a film where a bunch of guys talk, or a couple of guys talk about Star Wars, to actually a TV show about Star Wars. Seriously. But yeah, holy shit, The Mandalorian cannot recommend highly enough. Irrespective of the last episode being amazing, like I, everything's you, so good. That last episode is so good. I can excuse what is some pretty atrocious CGI. Oh yeah, it's bad. He should have not talked. 
and it was just like you it was cringe worthy bad but it was so the episode's so good um there's a point where i teared up definitely yeah. at the end See, of this weirdly i didn't but i i teared up several times earlier on uh because i'm a new dad and there's a lot of new dad energy in that show oh yeah <laughs> there's a lot of new dad energy in that show um but that show's so good i can even forgive gina carano for being an anti-vaxxer why gina carano i loved you so much <laughs> why you gotta do why you gotta do a thing crush oh my god just she's done we're done i mean yeah i know she's gonna take it harder than i am but we're done sorry gina I mean, and Giancarlo Esposito just killing it up, down, left, and center. I mean, he's been great since Do the Right Thing, which when I watched Do the Right Thing and found out that was him, my mind broke. <laughs> he is great in Do the Right Thing. Um, I he's have TV. really good in Do the Right Thing. Yes, he is. <laughs> I have TV I watched this year. Oh. Um, I'll give a brief recap of what I've watched this year, because I have a list. Uh, I watched all six seasons of Community. Sadly, I no watched, movie. Sadly, no movie. I watched uh, seasons one and two of Twin Peaks along with The Return as well as the film. I watched Lock and Key, Cobra Kai seasons one and two, season three coming out, as you know from the last last episode of the podcast. Uh, Attack on Titan season three, Good Omens, The Boys season two, Batman Beyond, the entire thing, Battlestar Galactica, the entire thing, The Mandalorian, and... I started out again on Holliston, which is a guilty pleasure. I don't necessarily think that's for everybody, but if you're into horror and you like your comedy with your horror, it's a fun watch. Uh, I do also have to add in that uh, Nat convinced me to watch The Umbrella Academy this year, and it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It's pretty good. Um, I didn't really know anything about it except it was a uh, Gerard Way joint, and um, mm -hmm. I, I am happy to have watched it. Yeah. The kid who yeah, plays I mean, five is uh, one of my favorite young actors going right now. Mm. <laughs> He's such a good little bastard. I'm working on Russian Doll, which is enjoyable so far. Ooh. Which I think, Dan, you would really enjoy. That's what I was told. It's definitely up your... It is. It, it very much highlights your style of, uh, like, dry humor. I think you'd enjoy it quite a bit. Well, I, I she's the best, so... She's fan. I mean, everybody on the show just big. Like the writing staff did such a nice job of developing characters that you feel like you've known for a while. With them speaking five to six lines of dialogue off the like, it's just like, damn it, this is so good. And the characters they explore get even better. So really impressive. Huh. Fantastic. Um, I really only have one thing. Uh, one other thing I want to go down this year, and that's uh, video games. Mm. Uh, I teased many weeks ago that I was going to talk about a video game when I had time to play it, and um. As mentioned, I have a four-month-old, so I haven't really had time to play it, but I had about 30 minutes one day, and so I installed and booted up Hades, and motherfuck, everything you read about this game is absolutely true. Hmm, that's good to know. It is a, uh, it is a procedurally generated uh, roguelike. It is one of the most beautiful video games I have ever played. It has some of the deepest dialogue in a video game I have ever seen. It has an amazingly addictive gameplay loop, like most roguelikes do. And yeah. it is, I cannot stress how absolutely gorgeous the game is. It nice. is like, it like literally the levels and the character designs look like some of the best comic books you've ever seen. That's awesome. Like, I'm going to, uh, for your uh, 
whatever, vindication, validation, something, I'm going to try to link uh, a picture in our Discord so you can take a look at what one of the stills looks like. It is okay. absolutely gorgeous. It is infinite fucking fun. And it is something that as soon as I am able to... Um, as soon as I am able to get it installed or well, get time to play it, basically, I am <laughs> going to sit down and not not get up until I'm done. Nice, that's exciting. Uh, it is. It's that good, and that's I'm cool. really very excited for more people to get a chance to uh, to play it. That's great. Just click there. Right. Look at the image that loads at the top. Or there it goes. It loaded. Oh boy. Yeah, that's that's a that is a. Uh, a piece of you know key art from the game that's cool it's the whole the game the style of the game is absolutely amazing i fell in love with it watching a let's play and just oof, it's so good it's that's cool. like, i like that's what i liked about so much about cuphead was how committed they were to making sure they achieved a particular look and feel yeah and and like the coolest thing to me is like none of the gods look the same as the other gods because and they even said at one point I guess the developer even said like the the Rome you know Rome and Greece and everybody they had these enormous civilizations that stretched very far out and they the gods were just you know responsible for the stuff in the earth so there's no reason to think that they all would have looked like you know Greek Greeks basically right and so you know some of them look Asiatic some of them look Western European um, there's even some that are dark skinned it's it's really fantastic. And there's like, there's so much dialogue. There are like little tiny characters from Greek mythology that show up. Like you wouldn't, you could walk past them and assume they are just an NPC with no voice lines. And then you click on it and you're like, Oh, it's fucking Achilles. And he's got an entire character development here that has no bearing on the game whatsoever. But there's all this dialogue in there and it's gorgeous. Every character is fully like has a, has a still that comes up with their dialogue. That's fantastic, but it's all voiced as well. That's cool. It's honestly astounding, and I cannot wait to pour hundreds of hours into this game when I have the time. That's great. So that's pretty much my year. In I have uh, I have comic book to add to this. Um, I'm adding it because it's been very solid the whole way through so far. Um, that is Batman. They continued the animated series with Batman: The Adventure Continues. I can't that read been, that. It's really good, and considering I gave it to you recently, I know you can. Yes. <laughs> and it is, it's so cool to see them pulling in characters to the animated series world that we hadn't had a chance to intersect because of the, you know what I mean, the fact that it ended. And it's just a ton of fun. It's super thoughtful. I mean, you got Paul Dini working on it. I mean, it's just, it's no surprise to see that it's fantastic, but it is as good as you'd want it to be. And I've been enjoying it. It's one of the only books that when I cut, when I get it in my bin, I, I tend to read it. I think I'm a two issues behind on it now, but it's been so much fun to read. And it's just something I don't often do um, in terms of like, like some books I'll let sit aside for a while. Then I'll just digest them in giant swaths where this one, it's just been like every month or two. It's like, I'm picking up and reading it. Cause I want to know what happens. Huh? It's just been fun. The art's great. Obviously, from the same guy who did the uh, the Batman and Robin series. So the art's just you know what I mean, picture perfect for it. The coloring's great. Panel layouts are good. Everything it doesn't feel clunky. It's nice and simple, and the stories progress smoothly. Just checks all the boxes for me. It's been a ton of fun this year. That's fantastic. I'm really, really glad to know, considering I have it sitting next to me. 
and, and really need to dig in and read it at some point. But uh, that's awesome. Um, I think that is probably going to lead us to the end of 2020. Thank the fucking whatever you want to thank. Uh, it's been a weird year 80s. for pop media. I'll thank 80s. Yeah, it's been a weird year for pop media, but there's uh, there's been some good stuff. And um, uh, boy, if two of the films I was most looking forward to for a couple of years were supposed to come out this year and will come out in April and October next year, that being No Time to Die, the James Bond film, and uh, Dune. Um, Dune. <laughs> and I say to him, Dune. And he said, yes. Yes. Well... Folks, if you like what you're hearing, it's www.superliminalfilms.com. We can also be found on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Bye, everybody. Bye.